Hello and welcome to the CPA Perspective Podcast, powered by Evolve Now, the future of accounting content. Evolve Now offers insights into the many areas of the accounting profession with daily videos and provides CPE credit for taking courses that teach you the skills necessary to become an advisor of the future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPA Perspective Podcast. As always, I am the rapping CPA, Drew Carrick, your host. As many in the accounting industry know me as Petty Cash, and I'm excited to really get this thing rolling. I have a special guest, both professionally and personally, to me today, uh, and that is my good friend and colleague, Matt DeRusso, who, uh, well, I'll let Matt introduce himself. What's up, everybody? My name's Matt. Um, I'm a recent law school graduate. Uh, I work for KPMG, and um, I've been in the accounting profession for the last six years now. You know, Matt, uh, you're allowed to be a little more energetic. You can, uh, you could, you could, you don't have to be the accounting stereotype. Just because we're on the CPA Perspective podcast, we're shattering stereotypes here. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to be our our boring accountant selves. I'm, I'm sure you have seen a lot of them in the office. Very true. They roam the office hallways every day, even the virtual ones. <laughs> so, is, you know, in, in your opinion, what does what is the typical accountant sort of like look like what's this sort of stereotypical account because you know I, I obviously have my predisposition i've also removed myself or not removed myself but progressed myself through the accounting industry into finance and budgeting and then into of course content development and talking to different accountants and cpas but um you know for me i always just had this i'm not going to say it but you know the stereotypical accountant sort of idea that i was like i don't want to be like that what what you know what is I'm sure you've seen a lot of these people either virtually or uh, in the office themselves. So yeah, what, what, what's this sort of typical stereotypical accountant look like? Today? I think, I think we all picture the stereotypical accountant as, uh, you know, a man or a woman with a pencil in their ear and the little green visor and they're sitting there in the dark, crunching numbers, probably in a very dimly lit, uh, poorly ventilated closet of some sort. And, um, you know, very boring, very dry, no sense of humor, uh, just a really boring and, um, you know, <laughs> not a pleasant person to be around. Um, I know even when I was in law school, all my law school professors made fun of accountants, um, you know, especially the, uh, the tax accountants as being, you know, very dry, no sense of humor. So, yeah, that's pretty much the stereotype. So I guess I guess speaking of that, because you know, I always like I said, it's it's this very like very square, very regimented, risk adverse type of people. Uh, you know, obviously the the audience is going to get to know you over the course of this uh, this session. But for you, why why go into accounting then? What's the I want to I want to hear like the sort of journey of like you know why go into accounting in the first place? You know, for me, like I I had no idea what I wanted to be going into college. Maybe history, maybe acting. Uh, I really liked business and then accounting sort of just fell on my lap as uh, the debits and credits make sense. And, and that's how I sort of ended up in it. And, and I, I take this, this mantra to the grave that I didn't pick accounting, accounting picked me. Um, but, uh, but for other people, I'm always curious as to like, why get into accounting uh, in the first place? Well, you know, I sort of agree with that too. I didn't really pick accounting and accounting <laughs> sort of picked me as well. I mean, 
I was actually a marketing major at first. And then I realized, well, hey, I'm going to need to make money when I graduate <laughs> college. So I better pick a career, um, you know, that I have a better chance for job prospects. Um, mm. I don't know who said it, but there's a famous saying out there. There's two people you can't go to war without, and that's your accountant and your lawyer. So <laughs> that's sort of why I chose those two career paths, um, you know. Not to be political, but no matter who the president is, it's a profession that you're always going to need, right? The tax code has been evolving since the early 1900s. And, you know, times are always changing. And um, it's just a profession that as automated as you make it, you're always going to have that human. You need the human interaction in it. Mm. And it's just it's a profession that, you know, it. it um, yeah. What do you call it? It um you can't do without so. right yeah so I guess I kind of kind of speaking speaking on that with the whole like automation thing because of course there's a lot of jobs I feel like now especially that are getting you know outsourced and uh, you know I know firsthand experience that we've had is is you know first it's moving it's sort of offshore if you can can you find you know through globalization can you find sort of uh, less expensive people to do the jobs that don't really require some of the more heavy lifting and the heavier thinking uh, to the point where almost, you know, you could have a lot of things or data input where you're, you, you, at, the, at what point can we just have sort of like robots sort of doing that? Fortunately, I think that, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, enough clients probably don't have the technology or the leadership at this point to progress their bookkeeping uh, and, and their finance and accounting records into a way that it can be sort of made in an automated fashion for you know tax uh, tax accountants and and auditors, but um, as far as the the actual um, automation of it goes, I, I think that that makes it kind of safe. But but like you're talking about the sort of changing the evolution of the profession, what does that like? What can accountants do then to to sort of progress and not be like what what adds that value? How do you add that human element to things? I mean, I think that's, you know, where our social skills and our personality come in. I mean, you know, accountants, you know, back to the stereotype, accountants love Sally, right? Same as last year. And automation just can't do that for us. We can't just do things the same as last year. And that's really where the human element comes in of, you know, making progress toward the future and evolving with the profession you know, a robot and, you know, AI can only do so much for you. Yeah, they could put things into a box for you and they could, you know, check off boxes on your checklist, but they can't, they can analyze data, but they can't draw the same conclusions as a human. So I think that, you know, even though we are in this wave of AI and technology, you know, in accounting, in audit, in advisory, in tax, there's only so much of that that, you know, we can use in the profession to drive us forward. And really, the human interaction can never be eliminated totally. So what we should do is try to eliminate the very boring, dry accountants and replace them with very <laughs> fun and interactive types of people. You know, it's funny you say that because this is one of those like I feel like I've had this bone to pick for so long with accounts, especially who are always just. They just do the same thing and they want to just do the same thing. And it's it's frustrating for me who's someone that loves doing things differently. Like I'm always looking to try to change change things up. And and even after six months of doing something, I'm like, all right, like what's the next activity? Like this is this has become monotonous. But so many accounts just like refuse to 
to like, they don't want to do anything. Like I could tell them like, Hey guys, like I found this crazy <laughs> idea. Like it's going to make you $10,000 a month. You know, all you have to do is like go on social media and like post like a picture, like once a week of like you doing something crazy. They'd be like, eh, you know, I'm not my reputation. And eh, it's not really, that's not really me. It's, it, I feel like these people are just, I don't know what to do to like show them like you got to change. I mean, I think you said it yourself, accountants are very risk adverse. And, you know, I sort of stumble upon the same thing at, you know, KPMG. I mean, one of the first things that every single accountant does is, you know, look at last year's file. And although I do that too, I try to give, you know, this year's file a very fresh approach and try to limit my interaction with bringing the work papers back from the dead, so to speak. <laughs> so, you know, I hear the same thing. Oh, well, did you look at what we did last year? Well, you know, I'm trying to give it a fresh look, look at what we're doing now, how we're going to move forward, not just follow what we did last year. I mean, just because we did it last year doesn't mean we did it right. So that's and have just- you Have you had like any opportunity to see like any, any like sort of cross selling happen at all? Like while at clients, like of being like, well, we could do other things. Or I, I feel like, a lot of times from my experience, like, it's just very like, this is the job and this is what we do. But I feel like becoming an advisor, and I'm sure you've seen the progression as like advisory services consulting, like that's where there's been this huge push, especially as of late in the accounting industry. Now, as the uh, consulting as a whole, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how it's going to progress in the future, because I feel like it's become an and especially with like the pandemic and everything, it's become like an overinflated sort of market where like you're realizing how like the realization rates are insane when it comes to like consulting and advising, you know, which is why accountants should have been doing this like 10 years ago being like, hey, everybody trusts us. Like they think we're really smart people. We should start to offer like other services other than just like doing monkey work. But I just feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like accounts are very good at like sort of bridging that that cross-selling gap and saying like, hey, I'm I'm more than just an accountant. That's even if they even are more than an accountant. Uh, you know, first right. I mean, I do see a lot of cross-selling at KPMG, whereas at Grand Thornton at our prior firm, I didn't really see much of the selling in between the lines. We actually do do a lot of consulting work at KPMG. I can't speak to you know audit and advisory, but within the tax sector. Um, we definitely do a lot of cross-selling. There's definitely a lot of opportunity for consulting. And that's one of the reasons KPMG actually brought me aboard uh, is because I'll be able to sell consulting services with my JD degree. So yes, I, I actually do see that a lot more in the bigger firms, the big four, so to speak, uh, rather than some of the mid-size or even larger firms like Grand Thornton. Yeah, perhaps because they're like sort of realizing, you know, obviously a lot of resources, cutting edge, front, like able to to recognize the need to sort of pivot and and the resources to like go ahead full steam with making that sort of transition. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that's a good, that's a good sort of segue into, you know, you, you went ahead and did something where you're trying to just be more than an accountant. So there's, there's sort of two things that, and we'll get, I want to get into the the law degree and, and the inspiration to go do that. But I kind of wanted to start like backtrack with, all right, so, you know, accounting chooses you saying like, I look, I got to make some money and like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good at numbers and I'm good at math and I can, I can do this and it makes sense to me. So, so now you, you major in accounting. 
Uh, what exactly? Because you you, know, you talked about KPMG previously, Grant Thornton. Is that what's what's your what was your sort of career progression? You know, to date, at least, uh, you know, up into the law degree. So, in terms of per, uh, career progression, you know, I graduated uh, from the College of Staten Island in 2013, and I got a full time job. Grant Thornton was one of the firms that offered me a full time associate uh, position. Um, I worked there. Uh, for about six years, for the first um, year and a half, I just I just had this feeling that I needed to go to law school and that accounting wasn't my forever home. Um, I just I really didn't like the very closed way of thinking, and I figured that if I could you know have another degree like a law degree, I could sort of have this hybrid role where I did consulting and compliance, and I'd have the best of both realms, so to speak. Um, so I decided that I would apply to law school. I took the LSAT. I got into law school and um, I was fortunate enough to be able to have a reduced workload at Grant Thornton. And they sort of helped pave the way for my law school career. Um, I took a lot of tax classes in law school because I know that at least for now, that's the field that I you know, would like to be in is, is tax law. And I think that Having that accounting degree was a really good uh, segue into the legal industry because there is a lot of um, in between and, you know, there's a lot of areas where they overlap tax and law. I mean, all accountants have to understand law. Um, so it just it it was really in um, you know my favor to pick up the, the second degree and utilize that new skill set, which so far really has pushed me forward in my career. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I guess are, are any other colleagues that you've seen, obviously you're in the sort of tax accounting area, but are any, have any other colleagues or have you seen any other colleagues at all, like getting additional certificates or getting other degrees or is everybody sort of like in that sort of complacency, like oh, I'm a CPA now uh, I'm good to go. Or, Oh, I'm just in the tax account. I don't need either. Like I'm good to go. Oh, are people like going ahead? So, you know, for example, when 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 originally when the pandemic started and they started locking things down, obviously a lot of people are scrambling. It's like, what am I supposed to do with my with my life now? Like, I'm, I'm well, do I have to find another job? Do do is am I going to be stuck working from home forever? Do I have to create an office at home? Uh, and everybody, you know, of course, it was an appropriate sort of like scrambling. And then as you sort of settle in, it's like, all right, well, let me maximize the productivity of this time. So one of the things that I did was get my Lean Six Sigma green belt. And I'm like, well, it's and again, it's not always about degrees. It's not an expensive thing to get either, which is which is nice. Um, it's not always about necessarily all the different degrees, but sort of like pursuing additional education that's actually going to add value. Uh, and obviously, like a law degree is, I think, the most value that you can get out of a degree, in my opinion. Uh, is, is, have you seen anybody else do any sort of continuing education to get other types of skills? And if so, like what types of skills, if at all? So I think that once most people get the CPA, they're sort of just, you know, it's a one and done type of test for them. And to be honest, not everybody is like us. Not everybody has the drive to always, you know, better themselves and pursue something greater than just the CPA exam. Um, you know, some people are just born for accounting and, you know, others are destined for something greater. Um, I really don't see a lot of people trying to continue their education in these ways, even with something, you know, like 
the Sigma Six um, or even like um, the series, you know, the series licenses to sell investments or life insurance or to try to cross sell these other types of products. I, I really don't see that in the industry much. You know, most people, if they're going to do something, they're going to get a master's degree and they would have probably done that before they sat for the CPA exam. So I guess that just adds to the stereotype of uh, accountants that, you know, they're just very boring. They don't like to see change. They don't like to take risks. And, you know, they're not really, um, they're not really seeing, you know, the path ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, and obviously it's a lot of it, I think is built in that sort of like personality. And it, and I, I want to just like prerequisite that people, you could change your personality, people can develop and they can grow and they can have like an aha moment where it's like, you know what, like, I want to do more with my life. And I want to kind of progress and, and do other things. And there's nothing wrong with like, of course, people who are just like, I'm an accountant, like I'm going to do my accounting work CPA. But but it's like, what's where, where do you have that ambition? And what's going to bring you that sort of like, whole satisfaction? Uh, you know, what for you, what's your what's your sort of ideal what what do you, do you have an idea even at this point of what you're what you're what you even would like to go for uh, or like go go towards you know i feel like i feel like most uh, <laughs> colleagues that that we've known throughout the accounting industry it's like the dream is to be controller of like some company one day um and that's like never been the dream of mine or the dream is to like make partner you know it's like i just I, i've always wanted to make partner do you have like a what your your like end goal would be uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the day? I mean, to be honest, I really don't have an end goal. Only because I always have so many ideas going through my head all the time that I can't just you know say that I want to be a tax partner. I mean, I don't know that that would be a fulfilling life for me. Definitely, you know, the monetary lifestyle would obviously be fulfilling, <laughs> but would it be fulfilling to go to work every day and sit there and? crunch numbers and do compliance and consulting? Probably not. Um, in the long run, I'd love to own at least one business. Uh, maybe it would be a tax consulting business. I definitely want to dip into the real estate business. I think that um, you know it's a very strong and growing industry. I already have a rental property. My fiance and I, we have our first property. Um, that's a path that I'd like to continue along. Um, I have to say, though, I started KPMG this past August, Yeah, and I did work really hard during busy season, and after busy season, it, 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 the downtime is incredible. I mean, I've never experienced... Some, I didn't think that I would experience <laughs> something like this at the Big Four. Um, quality of life so far since August, I mean, it's been great. You know, you work really hard during your busy seasons uh, during the year, which is typically from like late January up until April 15th. And then you have your second wave of busy season, which is sort of like August all the way through November 15th. Um, like I said, I worked really hard through it. And now I'm sort of, you know, just tra doing trainings and administrative tasks and quality of life has been great. So, so far I feel like, you know, right out of law school, this was definitely a good transition uh, even though this is more of an accounting role, it's definitely a good transition into the legal market for me. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like there's there's all those, um, you know, with the quality of life, it's it's about having that sort of personal development. That's like that element. It's like it's a whole it's a whole bringing your whole self to work, uh, right. you know, notion of 
being more than than just the, the sort of account. I feel like a lot of people get lost in this sort of cycle, this cyclical. Um, you know, I just my job is just to to work all the time, and you know they do things to be like, oh, I'm going to add. Uh, you know, we're going to add some kind of fun benefits to to the office and whatnot. But but sort of like being a well-rounded individual and not just being you know known for for only working, but having those additional sort of skills are are so important too. So that so that makes me curious as far as your sort of journey, because obviously you're saying owning different businesses and stuff. Have you always had this entrepreneurial, uh, you know, mindset that's sort of like from like from when you were a kid or uh, or, or did that kind of come later on in life? And, and, and you know, what, what goes into that sort of like, how do you describe yourself from like an entrepreneurial standpoint? I mean, I think I've always had that uh, characteristic in me. Um, for example, you know, when I was a kid, um, I would uh, put prices on all my baseball cards and all my Pokemon cards and I'd have, you know, everything in order just in case I was ready to sell them uh, at any given moment. And I'd have every, you know, everything in cases. So I think I've always had that sort of entrepreneurial skill set. Um, and I think, you know, other people noticed that trait in me as well, not to toot my own horn, um, but I had a professor in college um, he actually helped me get my first job, um, my first part-time job out of college in accounting. It was in a small firm in New Jersey. And um, the day that I left that, that small firm to join Grant Thornton, the owner had said to me that my professor told him that I was not cut out to work in a big firm. And he was surprised that I chose to go work in a big firm. And I saw my professor at an accounting career fair a couple of years later, because I still do a lot of things for my undergrad college. I'm on the board of directors for them, and I'm still very uh, involved in, with the accounting students and everything. And I said to him, hey, why are you telling people that uh, I'm not cut out for big accounting? He's like, I stand by my statement. You are destined for something greater than just you know, working for a big firm. And I never understood it until he told me, wow, he wasn't saying that I'm not cut out for it. He meant that I'm better, that I can have my own business, that I can, you know, I have this entrepreneurial skill set and that I didn't need to, you know, be subject to, you know, the rigmarole of a, of a large company. I could get out there and do things for myself. So yeah, I've, I think that I've always, you know, had this mindset. And I think that, you know, if I could do it and if I have, you know, these characteristics. I mean, anybody else could do it, you know? Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. You talk about that. You sort of like moment with uh, the professor sort of saying that and having that realization. Cause I had a very similar one, you know, for myself, I was always kind of entrepreneur when I was same thing. When I was a kid, I was like, how can we create pizza? So my friends and I like to make uh, pizza dias, which is pizza quesadillas. And, and we would, we would make these things and we thought they were the greatest thing ever. We're like, these things taste amazing. We would make it for lunch every day everybody else likes them like let's start selling them we'll like ride them around on our bikes you know so it was like our version of a lemonade stand i guess uh and and i was always like having like meetings with my friends being like let's come up with like a crazy cool business idea and and, and that was like throughout my entire life and everybody's always like dude like you gotta chill just like go have fun like i don't know playing the playing the dirt or something but i always had that sort of like entrepreneurial drive and of course it's mixed in with the sort of creativity that comes with it as well, because you're not really seeing accountants making music. Uh, accounts might be like able to play an instrument perhaps, but, uh, but not necessarily going out and like doing some sort of like 
crazy music video concepts or songs and whatnot, especially not rap music. But uh, when I finally started working, uh, I had the partner at the firm actually, you know, I remember it was like the third or fourth month in, and I was just at the office and it's like 630 at night. And he was just like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to pack up soon. He's like, no, like, what are you do? Like, what are you doing here in accounting? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I majored in accounting. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm getting like the hours that I need to get to have the CPA, you know, have, you know, my, my, my 2000 hour mark. And he's like, he's like, you're too creative to be, to be just in accounting, you know? And that was like, after I think I spent the entire day making every single person in the office, like nameplate tags to put on their like temporary desks at the time where they would had like, based on each of the nicknames that we had each person, like one was the doc, one was sensei. And, and each <laughs> of them, like I put a little logo on, I made it, printed it out and I put it at their desk. And even though we all didn't have like our own desks, it was kind of like that little piece of like, this is where I usually sit and this is how people in the office know me. And I think like adding that sort of like fun value, it's, it's people don't recognize the sort of value that comes from the intangible stuff. And I think you know uh, and understand that pretty well, uh, you know, both of us, because people are only judging other people based off of like billable hours and like how many hours did you build a client? And like, I build the most and I had the highest realization and, and I do the, the work the fastest or I stay the latest. And there's this weird, really weird sense of like pride in being miserable. Like <laughs> it's, it's like sending Snapchats at, at 1130 at night. Like, look at me, like I'm more miserable than you are. And it's like, dude, it's a Friday night. And like, you're in the office and like, you're, you're proud of that. You're showing everybody. And there's this like weird sense of like self-deprecation. It's like, it's almost like being emo, but, but uh, it's, it's like emo of accounting. It's like, who can, who can suffer the most during busy season and not during busy season to, I, I don't understand like why, why people have this sort of mentality. Right. I agree. You know, I, I think we could both say that we've seen that, um, you know, very pervasively across uh, the industry you know, in the firms that we were in, um, that's just how it is. You know, there's some people that just like to put their head down and be sheep and they just like to sit there and work and crunch numbers. And then you have other people that can, you know, do their job effectively and also bring a fun and engaging environment. Um, so, like, so what do you, you think? always have people like that. So like, what do you think firm leaders could do to, like sort of pick and identify. And I've presented on this a few times about identifying different types of employees. You know, there's technicians, there's managers, and there's entrepreneurs. And all three of them are sort of necessary parts of, uh, of a company. You know, you need your technicians, you need your technical people who are going to head down, churn out the work. They know, they know the work. It's black and white. Accountants are especially love being technicians because it's, it's very black and white. Like there's a checklist of things you have to do and you just got to do it. And if you can do that as good as possible, as fast as possible, you're good at your job. You get a promotion and you get paid. Uh, but a lot of the times it turns out these technicians don't make for good managers. But the way that the system is set up is this sort of ladder where the best technicians become managers but the best technicians aren't always the best managers. Oftentimes they're the worst managers because they don't know how to direct other people. They don't know how to allocate work properly. They just end up, you know, head down telling you, this is what you have to do, head back down again. And, and that leaves some of the other people kind of lost and they can't develop into the best part of themselves. I'm wondering what, what could the leaders of companies do to sort of like create a better 
system for progressing people and identifying and, and appreciating the value that sort of comes with having skills beyond just the technical areas, being valued beyond just how many hours you could get billed? That's actually a really good question. I'm sure that, you know, there's probably large firms out there that are developing some tests like that. Um, I feel like I've heard something, you know, from Microsoft or one of the big tech companies that, um, you know, they have a test to see, you know, what area of the company that you're best suited for. Um, but I think that it, you know, comes down to being able to collaborate with your people and just have a strong voice of the, you know, have a strong tone at the top and the mission of the company. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that leaders could do to get their people more engaged and create a very fun and entertaining work environment where, you know, people don't necessarily want to sign off at five o'clock. They want to continue to work hard and they want to continue to, you know, um, make money for the company. So that's actually a very interesting uh, question. I don't know, you know, maybe there are tests out there that can identify something like yeah. that, but so I, I think had, it I, starts at the top. So Yeah, no, it ha I mean, it has to come from like the leadership, right, of companies because they're the ones that have that power to sort of make those cultural systematic changes um, that a lot of companies I think are falling into this. And, and, and this time in the world has caused a lot of people to reflect and to look inward. Um, and, and it's not just people individually, personally, but like professionally, like companies looking inside being like, do we really need all of these different positions? Do we really need to have people go through all these steps? Or is it not efficient and not really adding value to like what we're doing overall as a firm? I think I think one of the cool things that was done, and I was a benefactor of the creation of this was the Innovation Council, which it was it was in the right direction for, you know, how do we pick out and identify those people at our firm who are a little more ambitious? And, and, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I'm not putting all of my effort into the technical work because I just wasn't passionate about it. But I, when, when utilized properly to be more creative, you have a lot of value that gets added by having that sort of duality, you know, happening. And I, so I thought like sort of being identified to be part of this sort of creative group of ambitious individuals was like one of the the steps in the right direction that I think companies kind of are, are working towards. The other idea that I had too, because this was, I was told this, I was told I would make a really great partner. And I'm sure you were probably told the same thing. You know, you, oh, you make a great partner because you could talk to people and, and you're very personable, charismatic, engaging. You could certainly sell. Um, and then you'll have the technical background. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't want to wait 15 years <laughs> of being miserable and just like grinding out, working for people who aren't on the same page, having to deal with the politics and the BS, uh, having to deal with peers who are just like competing to bill more hours than you are and then get pissed off if you get a promotion or get more than, than they do because you have skills beyond just the billable hours and just the technical work. What I think uh, would sort of be a, a kind of cool concept is if they created this uh, like, you know, almost like apprenticeship, you're like, you know, management track training, you know, where you identify who are our people here who are like better at managing than necessarily technical work. And again, some people want to do both. And, and, and the key, and I think here's the key element, compensation should be based off of the value added. And it shouldn't just be based off of the amount of years of experience you have. And it shouldn't be based off of whether you're a technician or a manager or an entrepreneur. They could all be adding value, but in different ways. So just because I'm the manager of a project 
right now, since it's, well, I've been here for seven years. So now I'm manager and I make more money than you. Okay. It's you know, fine. You, you put in, you put in a lot of time, but if after five years, you're a better technician and I'm better at managing people, I'm not as good with the technical work, but I'm really good at like allocating how the work can get done most efficiently. We could both make the same amount. And just because I'm directing the workflow, does it necessarily mean that I'm in charge of you? I'm your boss and I'm going to scold you. I think, I think if we sort of really transform and evolve the way that we're even thinking about work systematically, that sort of like disruptive change, I think could be, that could be potentially, I think a, a route for, for, for some success in, in, in better identifying and better utilizing employees. Right. I totally agree with that system. I mean, it shouldn't matter if you work seven years or, you know, 15 years, if you have the skill set to be successful and efficient and, um, you know, have the traits that that position requires, then that's what you should, what you should have. I mean, you said it yourself, you were identified for the innovation council. I mean, there were things that I was identified for and, you know, same company that we worked for. So I think that when you have these traits, it's almost like you're a beautiful rose in a garden full of like, full of weeds. You sort of just stick out among the rest and you know you grow taller you know people mm. people notice those skill sets and unfortunately in the type of companies that we worked for that's just not how the career progression works and i think that's a shame because you could have some really successful people that don't want to leave if they were given these opportunities yeah that's a good point and so i guess the the final thing to wrap it up would be you know I think in order to evolve and change the accounting profession, the content itself needs to change and the stigma around what it means to be an accountant sort of needs to evolve and to change. As long as people who are squares, technician focused, billable hours focused are the ones who are leading, you know, the companies, they're going to hire more of themselves and they're going to be like, well, this is the system that works. This is how you are successful. But I think in the future, the same set of rules don't necessarily apply. So there's a lot of sort of like systemic changes that need to happen uh, throughout the profession and throughout the industry. And I think part of it comes with evolving the sort of mindset that people have as the stereotype of accountants so that you have, it's saying it's, it's okay to be a personable accountant. It's okay to be an accountant that does more than just accounting, just more mm -hmm. than tax, more than audit, more than compliance, more than bookkeeping. And I think part of it also is, is the type of information that's being consumed. Every, I mean, and you think about this, the, the recent commercial for Buick has the accountant, like the stereotypical accountant show up freaking out that his client's about to spend a bunch of money in Vegas or Atlantic City. And, and he's like, no, no, I, uh, I, bought, I bought the Buick or uh, the, the Volkswagen, was it? Um, I don't know if you remember, you know the commercial I'm talking about. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's uh, uh, brother, I think, is, is yeah, the yeah. star in that commercial. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was in, you know, so I, yeah, I don't think it was Buick, but uh, so yeah, it, you know, that's the exact example of, you know, they take this stereotypical accountant and they throw them out there. So I think by having leaders like myself, like you, uh, like others who are part of the Evolve Now network, who are short of shattering the stereotypes to be like, hey, look at and let's highlight and, and feature these people who are different accountants who are showing that you can be successful doing non-traditional accounting things. And that's not to say that anybody needs to just completely abandon technical work like that needs to get done. Um, but 
it's okay to have these other skills as well. And, and it's uh, one of my friends, uh, Justin likes to say, it's like, let's make, make accounting sexy. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you make it like an attractive sort of profession? And I think it comes with uh, developing the content, you know, featuring people who are more interesting and, and the content changing too. maybe, you know, not the boring articles anymore, focus on some more of like the videos um, and, you know, things like the the big four like meme accounts you know what i mean which 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 again that's that's self-deprecation sort of humor but right. but is there a way to evolve that into uh you know more engaging and entertaining you know content style and i don't know do you what what do you think it would take for for accountants to actually want to you know consume some sort of different you know different content you know or or i'm i don't i'm not even sure exactly if the desire is always there, but I'm wondering what, you know, what is it that, that they need to see? What is it that they need to listen to or watch in order to at least start that transformation in their mindset? I think the transformation sort of already started. I mean, we have a very, there's an older generation that's sort of the leadership of these larger firms. And as they retire and people in our generation start to progress in their careers and you have people that, you know, have this mindset of thinking it is going to trickle down. So, you know, you have these very rigid, stereotypical accountants that working from home was like, was frowned upon. You know, when you and I were working at Grand Thorne, it's like, you want to work from home? No, you have to be in the office every single day. You have to be at the client site, 8.30 on the dot. You have to be there. And now look at where we are in 2020. We're able to work home efficiently and effectively and still have our billable hours. And this is the change, you know, that is going to push us, um, you know, into the next, into the next wave here, you know, we'll, we'll be able to put more creativity into these leadership positions. And I think that's where the transformation will really start to snowball. Yeah, I think it's uh, accounts are one of those professions where, you know, they're not going to jump down the mountain and start skiing, like somebody's got to give them a little nudge. And once once you're rolling, you kind of like, you got to just kind of <laughs> roll with it, you know, otherwise, you're going to like plop down, fall on your butt. Right. Uh, my only hope, my, my biggest hope is that you know, this is sort of that awakening that's necessary for the profession, where the next time, you know, somebody like yourself goes to the top and says, hey, we need to sort of like maybe, you know, this might sound radical, you know, it sounded radical three years ago, but look, now it's normal. If I said, you know, why are we even working necessarily nine to five? Like, what if I'm a night owl, and I, I'm more productive from eight o'clock at night until five o'clock in the morning, and maybe that's when I want to work. And, and, when, and when you have this sort of like global economy anyway, where people are working across the globe and, and you're not necessarily limited to just the time that people in the office, I mean, you can schedule meetings that work for everybody, but who's to say that you can't be as productive as you can working in, in different hours. And that could be like a mind blowing concept right now, but perhaps there's this sort of like, well, it's actually not that crazy. And I hope when, when, when new ideas come forward about like how to innovate, how to evolve, how to continue transforming show up. I just hope that the leaders of these companies are, more receptive and we we are going to be the people who are the leaders of these companies and i hope that our peers recognize that as well that you know be more receptive to the next changes as they're coming so you don't end up in a situation where nobody's been allowed to work from home so you never prepared for it you never got used to being in the cloud being digital being virtual and now you're scrambling to try to figure it out there's no reason to wait and 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 i think now we're seeing that the benefits of making that transformation happen early regardless of whether there's a a pandemic or some sort of major event that pushes things into it just push yourself into it because it's the right thing to do and it's the way of the future agreed 
Well, uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the CPA Perspective podcast powered by Evolve Now, the future of accounting content. Uh, I'm so glad that we were able to talk to my good friend and colleague and peer and entrepreneurial mindset individual, Matt DeRusso, uh, tax accountant and lawyer uh, at KPMG currently. And, and I'm excited to see how his journey and success progresses as well. Uh, you know, as, as we continue to evolve into the future. Thank you so much, Drew, for having me. And I hope to see you guys soon. Thank you. This was the CPA Perspective Podcast on Evolve Now. Become the professional you want to be with the innovative knowledge you need. Click the link in the description or go to www.evolvenow.biz to continue on your learning journey. Start today. Evolve Now.